Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Bishop Wellington Boom. That's it. God bless you. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, okay, you're just, yes, I got it. Turn to Acts 2:42. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, I again, I love your pastor and his standards because they're bibliocentric. And all of you who are in disagreement with those standards, because I said uh, Wednesday night that when I followed along with what he was teaching uh, Sunday, I, I looked back at my notes and I counted the scriptures. And I said to them, there were 33 scriptures that he gave you while he was teaching what he was teaching. And, and he read them. <laughs> and man shall not live by bread alone, that means the diet, the natural diet, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God shall man live. And that's what he's feeding you here. And I'm here by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I do appreciate uh, Pastor Richie Ray and your acknowledgement of your spiritual father. So I want to go on record as saying that you are not leading people to do something you haven't already done and still doing. So you not only have the accountability of your wife, you have the accountability of your father, spiritually. And for me, that's hugely important that he's walking out what he's talking out. And at my age now, I, I clearly am looking for authenticity in the next generation. So in my case, like he mentioned to you, 33 years, I'm 47 years going for it. So I'm not trying to build a great ministry and to be, I'm not trying to be anything but godly. But the next generation has to carry all the things you see the devil doing now. Somebody has to lead this generation into what the truth is. So, but what he's also going against is not just the devil and the evil that's obvious. It's the subtleties, deceit, manipulation, and domination of the spirits of darkness, making you think darkness is light. And he's calling stuff out. So when you, when you look at the media, the uh, secular media, and you're listening to all that, and you are making decisions based on what you're hearing from the news people rather than based on what you're hearing from the sent man of God teaching you every week in the church with more notes and pages written out than what he can get through. I see him, and as a matter of fact, I left all my notes in my bag back in the back. There's no use in me going to get them anyway because... I will never get through all of that that I want to talk to you about here today. I call this message the New World Order. And I'm not basing it on what's going on in the culture. 
but what's going on in the redemption of Jesus Christ and your life. I'm going to talk. I'm going to start with uh, Acts 2:42, and allow me, please, to build Wednesday. If you were here Wednesday, I want to encourage you along the lines. If the man of God says a Wednesday night service, they're gathering, and you're following him, authenticate a value in what he's given you because he's a channel for what God wants to say to you. And whatever that word is, you are what you eat. In other words, if you take into you what he's teaching you, the power of that word, the Bible says no word from God is void of power. The power of that word goes into you and it becomes not only your treasure, but it becomes your power. And, um, and so, therefore, I would say you are a powerful church, you are a powerful people, and you are ordained to be alive in this time. And you are ordained by God to make a difference. Otherwise, he could take you out. He could let the devil take you out on what you don't know. Uh, unwitting, evil people. I, I told my son and daughter, which I'm going to mention that to you this morning, I, they are here now because of the circumstances that go, that's going on with me. And, of course, they rushed down here because of the condition, natural condition, of their mama. And so they, her sisters are all down here, and there are four of them, and they're, well, one of them is too sick to be down here, and they're there at the hospital, and they're there. But, but I, I will make a note of this. This is going on record. They're, they're going to the hospital to see my wife, but they're not here in church to hear what I'm going to say to you. I'm the, I'm the uh, patriarch for the family line. But the one thing that Pastor Joaquin hasn't underscored to you is that after you get at the age of accountability, you're responsible for what you become in God. Now, now you don't have to, a son doesn't have to listen to his dad. At, when he gets at the age of accountability. Because what his dad knows isn't going to get the son's or daughter's reward. Mm -mm. It's what you get from him, from God, that you take into you and say yes to and then live that out. Then you become responsible for that revelation. Now, you're going to be accountable for every word that's spoken to you that is from God because you're not going to be able to get to God and say, I didn't know. Nobody told me. Mm -mm. If he sends you a man of God spiritually and gave you a father, biologically and spiritually, who gave you the truth and you didn't adhere to it, you're going to be held accountable for it in a great day. But you don't have to receive it. So the thing that I'm noticing about this church and, of course, his family and children is they receive it. They receive him. If they're rebelling, they don't let him know. Uh, what they think they're smarter than him about, they're not saying that. <sighs> Let me read the scripture to you. I I'm going to talk to you real here because at 72, I'm living a life that is more toward the end of my life than from the beginning. So I should be thinking about the next life greater than anything that's going on in this life.
because I'm closer to that than I am from the beginning. I'm more toward the end of my life than I am from the beginning of it. The way the Bible teaches you is that from the time you get at the age of accountability, everything about your life is how to live in this life for the sake of the next life. Now, this is what most of Christianity don't get. They get going to heaven, but they don't understand that heaven has come to them. And that when Jesus said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, that means you don't wait to get to heaven to live like it. So that your walk, your lifestyle, you walk out of this world into the next world already fitting into that world because you took it into you in this one. Now, if you don't get that, you don't get Christianity. You don't get it. So, if you, therefore, you live by the approval of God in thought. See? Like, see, I'm a bishop, right? So, I, okay. So, I'm a father spiritually as well. So, but what I know is not what my sons and daughters see of my life is making a difference with them. It's what God sees. That should make a difference with them. In other words, if my private life when nobody's looking is not authentic, then I'm not being effective in my public life. But there are scores of people, look, they sent Jesus to the cross. The people he healed, delivered, um, the power of God that was demonstrated, masses of people that and in, in, in when he was going to uh, Jerusalem, there to the cross, they were saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, those people were shouting him down. And then when challenged uh, as to who they would choose on the cross, who would be set free, they said crucify him. Those same people said crucify him. In other words, those people had a form of God, but the power of it wasn't working on the trial, on the testing. Private life, what a person says in public, is going to be legitimized by, by tribulation. Too much tribulation, that word means pressure, so you enter into the kingdom. So God doesn't let you get saved and then just live your life any way you want and you're still going to go to heaven. You may go to heaven based on the propitiatory work of Jesus Christ and the blood, but where are you going to be placed? That's the issue of the next world. Going to heaven. But where are you going to be placed? Meaning, what are you suitable for? See? And that's hugely important. So, for me, as a bishop, my private life, privately, needs to be what you see publicly and greater. So, I'm going to read this scripture because this is a scripture church here. We do scriptures here. <laughs> I just finished saying it. Acts 2.42. And they, talking about who? The disciples continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So the four things that you and I got to see, which I am making a point, and they continue steadfastly. This is the first church. This is the apostles' effect on people who didn't know God. And they continue steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine. That means what I said to you earlier. If he says there's a Wednesday night service, then there's no one who's accepted exempted. The expectation is, both from God and you, you're going to be here. You're going to shout him down. 
And with two services, one, the next service I'm going to do in translation, I understand that 30% of the people here don't speak English. So therefore, we have a translator. So, and then there's still a number of people who don't come. Now, the heart of the man of God is, well, if you're not seeing it, then okay, it's okay to stay home. But there's still something is being said in the eternal world if you do stay home. That means that his calling the church back together has not activated a faith in you, which means you don't believe that if he says come together, you're still not going to get something, that you got to protect yourself because God's going to let you come together as a church, get COVID and die. You, you got, I'm just saying. So, but if you do die and get COVID in the church, wouldn't you then be dying obeying God? Where he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as some has. And then secondly, and this is what I talk to my children about, which I want to get to this morning. If you die, is that a negative to a Christian? See, this is where, to me, the Christian church isn't legitimate. Because they're afraid of death. And death is a portal into the, your destiny, which is where you're going to go not only to be with the Father, the archangels, the cherubims, the seraphims, uh, angels, that whole dimension. And then death and hell and the grave has already been defeated where they, in that world it can't touch you. It's not a negative. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. But what Jesus says is, participate in that now so that you will be excited about this body wearing out rather than trying to resist it. I'm way ahead of you right now. Don't worry about it. I'm way ahead of you right now. See? You don't have to shout an amen to me, but I'm telling you the truth. If you don't get this basic stuff, how can he use you with what's going on in the world today? They're stumbling over a gnat. They're straining at stuff that doesn't even, it's not even worthy of you. A COVID worthy of you? A lying politicians? You can't tell they're lying? Media people who take political sides rather than the biblical side? I mean, I'm talking about both sides, whatever side. When Joshua was asked, whose side are you on? Asked the angel of the Lord, whose side are you on? Theirs or ours? He said, Neither. I'm on God's side. And that's what you got to learn to understand. What is it being on God's side? What's the benefit to you? Well, I was going to clearly tell you the benefit is eternal. It's not temporal. So for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The cross wasn't getting on the cross. The cross was Jesus' whole lifetime for 33 and a half years. Look, at the end of his life, Everybody rejected him, except women. Those women he had delivered, I call it Luke 8, 1 through 3. Read that. I call it the Luke 8 company of women. They were there when he was taken to the cross. They didn't capitulate. They didn't bow down. They didn't run for their lives. They were right there all the way to the time he was killed on the cross. And when he was resurrected, who did the angel talk to first? Women. 
So I brought in, I had my um, book brought in called Women Are Kingmakers. And I, I asked my editor, who you met, to just order me 100 of them. Because, you know, and I'm going to, so I have two boxes of them, which I want to give them away to the women here. I just want you to get a copy of them. Because I will say this, and I want to underscore it again. If you read one of my books and it's just a read-through and not a work-through, then I, I, I haven't done the book right. In other words, if you can read the book and not see how you activate a process of making this book a part of your life and that the ultimate goal is you're going to be godly and God's going to improve your life, then you should tear it up, burn it, and everything else. That's how I write books. I don't write books to have a bestseller. I've written that book because I have raised up women to be that book. And I got the bottom line of it from the Bible. I'm not trying to come up with nothing. I don't even try to come up with sermons and all that. I don't do that. I'm not looking for no sermon. I'm in there with God. I'm in there with God. I, I got more to say. That's why I'm challenged, I challenge the men. Be with me eight hours one day. Just, just, just do it. Now, what is happening is, and I understand it, I, I, I do have people from around the world call me and say, can I come and spend time with you? But I'm sent here. So he sees me at a very high level, and those that are listening to me, that are my sons, that are pastors, because they haven't started their service yet, the Bible said them that are last shall be first. So he would say of, my, of the bishops, he's the last, but where am I? I'm right here. So the last became first. And he was amazed at why some of those others that were first weren't demonstrating more of a devotion towards what I'm preaching and teaching so around, around the world. I, 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 the nations, I got sons in South Africa, places in England, Europe, and different, different places that's waiting for COVID so I can get over there. They put a value to what I teach. But I'm not promoting it. You got to find me. And so some of them said, oh, Bishop, where's Bishop Ben? Oh, we love him. He was promise keepers. Southern Baptist Convention, the National Methodist Convention, the, the Salvation Army Worldwide Conference. I mean, I can tell you scores of stuff I've spoken at. But those people are not my sons and daughters because they feed, they, they like me for the fish and the loaves. They're not trying to follow the lifestyle that I'm talking about because it costs something. And we get that bishop here, and he talks to us about this stuff. We got to do this stuff, and uh, we, I can't follow him up. They, this is what they say. They say, I can't follow bishop up because he's a, he's a hard man. In other words, you're saying, I don't want to maintain his standard, even though it's from the Bible, because I may lose my people, my money may slow up from coming in, even though I'm, you, didn't, you didn't say he's not preaching the Bible, that, that his disciples weren't like that, that this is not the standard of heaven. You didn't say any of that. You're talking about preaching style. That's nonsense. But is there, is there truth in what is being said? Did I get it from here? See? So now, let me go now to the word. No more questions, please. Here we go. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles, so I could, I could actually exegete that. The process of wasn't just having heard, they watched, they said, 
these people walked out what they were taught. And that's what I'm encouraging you. So I want to say to you listening to me and those of you from around the world, if, if you don't believe I'm lying to you and you're listening to me and you don't come over here to try to get some of this, which you're not getting, because I've been to a lot of your churches and places, you need to come over here, humble yourself because it's going to take humility, get some of this, and then increase your level by the mouth of two or three witnesses, whatever word be established. One put 1,000, two put 10,000. By you joining in and saying, I'm going to be a part of this, it will accelerate what you got going right now. So why not get some of it? So I'll just say this. I'm just interrupting myself again and again. So Bishop Hunt, whose daughter stayed here with you guys for four years in University of Miami, and his wife, Eileen, are will be here by six something today. They're catching a flight right after church service. But primarily it's because my wife is their spiritual mother. So they're coming to take care of her. But I'm going to see if he's going to come to the Monday night meeting. What? You know what I'm saying? And then Bishop Larry Jackson, who your pastor preaches with in the men's meeting with General Borkin, he's going to be coming Monday I'm going to see if he's going to come to the Monday night meeting. In other words, look, lay your bishopric aside right now and get over here in this environment. I'm just saying. Because that's what I taught you to do. You humble yourself and, and then you, you can't lay. You, the title is one thing, but what you're living is something else. You can't lay aside that because that's inside of you. But the title, I mean, I, the lady that called me this morning and gave me the update on my wife's condition and she says, is this William? Is this William? Now, my, my tendency, all of, all of a sudden, I almost got in the flesh. I said, wait a minute, who are you? Because I don't know nobody that calls me up and calls me William. <laughs> Called me up and said, is this Bishop? And do it respectfully. Nope, didn't even go there. I didn't know who she was. I just said, yes, it is. Because my title, just like, the idea of Jesus and his title not being the essence of what he is. His name confirms who he is inside. And that's way more important than the bishop's title. But the bishop is an assignment. But whether you call me that or not, I'm still on assignment. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. That's all right. And Okay, and doctrine. So four things. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Father, thank you so much for the revelation of your word for these people. I, I, you sent me here. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. And there's nothing going on in my life that's going to interrupt the assignment you've given me. And you're looking at me now. And you're seeing if I'm holding the line on your assignment and godliness as a witness to the reality of your life in times of trial. The devil is a liar. You are the truth, and that's inside of me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate a life in the reality of God under this trial. Now, so let me just tell you. So I'll tell you this, and numbers of people I can't tell nationwide 
that would want to know. So I got a call from the people this morning. The MRI just came through. They said she had seizures, seizures, and she had a stroke. And so that's why after Thursday, we met with the doctors and the, the, and the all the therapists, and they were given a dismissal date of the 10th of this month. So they were thinking that they were going to dismiss her. By the time we left that meeting and the doctor went back to her room where she was to see her, she was slooped over and wasn't responding. Prior to that, they would ask her, who is that? Pointing at me. She said, that's my husband. And they said, uh, where are you? She says, in the hospital. Two, eyes closed, not responding, not talking. I've only heard her say two words since Thursday. Yes, and yesterday was the first time we've seen her open her eyes and smile. See, and then the news that I got this morning from them. So, so let me tell you, and they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Now, where this doctrine needs to be reality is when news like that comes. So I took my children aside. And they, I started discussing with them yesterday about the future, you know. And that means whether she lives or dies. There's practicality to it. But what I discuss with them is all the practical stuff isn't the primary stuff. Where the grave, where would she be buried if she did go home? All of this. If she doesn't go home, where is she going to live? Nicole, my daughter, is asking, will she live with me, and here are the plus. I got this premise of plus, minus, plus. What are all the pluses? Well, the minus, and then you end with a plus. You understand? So we did that. We did all of that. And as opposed to her staying here, whether or not I'd have the proper care, she would have the proper care here. In the place that I'm staying at right now, all that kind of discussion. So then what I did this morning is to fix the discussion and put it in the right arena. The right arena has nothing to do with her care, it has to do with our faith. But what, what do you mean? See, everything we've talked about is in the realm of the natural, and almost nothing we talked about is in the realm of the spirit. In other words, God wants to know what are you believing? What's your stand in God? What's your level of prayer and devotion in this time? What do you sense the Holy Spirit is doing? Not where she's going to live, whether she's going to go up steps or not or come down. Sure, that all is stuff that you got to deal with, but that's not the primary stuff God's looking at. That's the stuff you got to look at. But you got to talk about what's the stuff that God is looking at. And what he's looking at is, when I get alone, is there a fervency of intercession and prayers and giving of thanks and crying out to God for his will to be done? Jesus at the point of Gethsemane, which I've gone through that with you in Matthew 26. If he says, not my will under Gethsemane, all press, but thy will be done. See, what God's looking at is when I get alone and I'm praying, I get in my car, I go somewhere. I don't even pray in the apartment because why? If I go into veil, and I'm loud, 
I mean, if you stand outside my door, you could hear the television. You could hear talking. So that's not no private walls. I'm not bringing, the, the, I'm not bringing anybody into a travail, which I could go into right now. So I get alone. I go alone. I get in the car. I go somewhere private where I can cry out to God. But what God's looking at is, does my cry and prayers awaken heaven? Is there a travail that would make God, the angels, the Holy Spirit, archangels, as, as, as Daniel's prayers, got archangels involved in his life? You understand? Am I devout like that? That's what God's looking at. If I talk to my children, so I was talking to my children about this. And I was saying to them, I prayed with you, but I haven't gone in travail with you. I haven't prayed over you. And I said to them, if my mama, who is Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says we are encompassed about by a great uh, company of witnesses. And that one of the witnesses is the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn. In other words, they are around you right now. Even though you don't see them, they are looking at us. They can't interfere, but they can see us. So one of my convictions is my mama moved from Goldsboro, North Carolina to Atlanta, Georgia to be with me in Atlanta because she felt revival was with her son. She felt I carried something that she wasn't getting in Goldsboro, North Carolina in a church of thousands. She says, if I die, I want to die with my son where I know God is. And that's what happened. She died with me. And I sent her to heaven, meaning that I didn't let them put all that stuff on. I told my children today, don't, don't, put, me on, don't put all that stuff on me. In other words, if, I, if, if it, God forbid, if I don't die a martyr, you know, somebody kill me straight up out there somewhere. Don't hook me up with all those tubes to keep me alive and I'm existing. I mean, no, no, just let me die. I'm going to heaven. Don't try to make that out to be a negative to me. Not with you seeing me live like I'm living. No, just let me die. I'm gone. I'm gone. Bye. I'm out. Why? Because I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be in heaven. Out of here, man. Better than here unless it's not reality to me. So I said, that's the same with your mama right now. So you, you know, belly aching over all the stuff that relates to her, you got to make sure your Christianity is your reality. If she dies, she is going to heaven. And based on the life she lived, that's the conclusion we can have. Because we didn't see her doing nonsense. She's with me. So... For me to try to keep her alive, and I went on, I gave them a catalog of what happened with her traveling with me and how the, the months had been. And they, they were with me over at the Trump, which I'm saying that because some people don't like me talking about Trump positively. God, you, you're nonsense. It's just nonsense to be that upset at a person and not be that passionate about God. Way more passionate about a man's behavior that you are not ordained to fix. So the way you do is cancel him out, don't talk about him and all that. That's fixing it, huh? That's the way Jesus would fix it, huh? Yeah, that's you, which says there's certain places he's not going to be able to take you in the next world because you are nonsense in this world. 
So we were over there, and we saw her leave out of the room that they got for us, and we couldn't find her because when she walked out of the room, she didn't know where she was. She went all over the place. And one of the places we were staying, she wasn't supposed to eat breakfast in that spot because that was a spot where people come, pay 5000 a week, and they get the personal breakfast, and they get all the people that look out for you. That's where you get all the proper eating and all that. But she went right in there and had breakfast. <laughs> Mm-mm, no, she did it. And we found her, but it took a while to find her. So she has been gradually retrograding, and then it accelerated. Now, in the natural, we want her to be perfect all the way to the time she died, right? To have makeup on, and right, just give up the ghost, right, and just all be pretty, and there's no trouble. Don't give me no trouble. The Bible says, in much tribulation shall you enter the kingdom. This is trouble. They, they're trying. They say, Dad, we're concerned about not only Mama, but we're concerned about you and all this. And they tell me that. My children tell me that. And I went on and unloaded on them this morning. I did. I did. I unloaded on them all the way up until they got the phone call. And I said, uh, you're not concerned in the right areas. The point is that if she goes home and be with the Lord, I'm accelerating it's already started. I mean, my coming down here, and the only reason I'm not hitting. So, what I, so, so right now, so what I also decided is that you don't know. I started back with early morning prayer at 5 a.m. with Monday mornings, 5 a.m. prayer with these kingmaker women. I, I, that's what I do. I'm doing it. I was on Facebook. I started back on that Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. I'm, I'm, I, that's, that's what I'm doing. In other words, I, I'm, I'm now the publication, and I talked to Pastor Joaquin I'm way ahead of this generation in terms of what's going on with the Black Wall Street over there in Tulsa. The president just going over there and talking all that stuff they're talking. I mean, I'm way ahead of you, dude. I've written about that, but here's what they don't know. What's the biblical answer? They, they can't even do the human answer because they don't know and they haven't said that. And I told with Pastor Joaquin there, yeah, last night, the Oklahoma legislature repented for burning down the Black Wall Street in 1921. They're celebrating it because it's the 100-year anniversary. What? You're celebrating that, the fact that you burned down 440 black businesses? You're celebrating that? Yeah, why? Because you're nonsense. You're clearly nonsense. In other words, the Christian world is not telling the natural world how you deal with that. So here's what happened. So the Oklahoma legislature repented for doing it on the caveat that there'd be no reparations. What? That ain't no repentance. Some preachers should tell them. What are you trying to do? We're, I'm not trying to get black people reparations for anything. We're, um, Pastor Jules told me about the reparations that they gave the Native Americans. I wouldn't want reparations based on what Americans did to Native Americans because there's only a million of them left. We destroyed a whole nation of people America's built on the blood, not of black slaves, but the blood of Native Americans. We weren't killed at that level. And we still, we gave them land, but we, we, still, we still marginalized that people group. We look at them with a narrow eye. But there, there, there are numbers of them that became smart. Jules was telling me about it. And I know Noda Begay is a golfer who went to Stanford with Tiger Woods. He's Tiger Woods' best friend. Stanford, yeah, where you have to 
max the SATs to get in, and you still got to have the rabbi recommendation. So that school has a high bar. A Native American golfer could do that. That still ain't no big deal. The big deal is you and me living out the Christian life. So I said to my children today, you and I have to stand on the efficacy of God's word. And the Bible says, when the Lord returns, will he find faith in the earth? He's not going to ask whether or not you're gonna, she's going to live with Nicole, my daughter, in Tampa, or whether she's going to live with me. It's better there. We can get more support there. And you just moved down here. And, you know, and I don't know what you can. That's not the key discussion point. The key discussion point is, where's God in it? Where are you in relation to God in it? What if God lets her die? Now, wait, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my first close, and I haven't even got started. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm not asking God to keep my wife alive because I want her laying down on the bed beside me. When I go to bed at night, knowing she's not there, not because she's visiting my, her daughters, but because she naturally can't leave a hospital. Only time I experienced that before was when she had brain surgery in 2002. Butterflies go through my stomach because she's not there. I don't like that the person I've been married to for 47 years isn't there. Been in love with for 58 years. But my perspective and what I don't like isn't the issue. It's God's perspective and what he's doing is the issue. <laughs> Devil is a liar. Now, what I was going to say to you, if she does go home to be with the Lord, I'm going to celebrate it. Look, I don't have a burial site. You think that's a key issue with God? Yeah, we're going to bury her. She's not going to be there. Wait, she gonna, ain't nobody going to be in that body, wherever it's going to be. And all that kind of conversation. See, this is too real to me than to get all carried away with that. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Look, in breaking of bread, Look, in fellowship and in prayers, my prayers have to shake the earth. My prayers cannot be taken over by my wife's circumstances. My prayers have to be taken over by my, by my relation level about what God is doing in the word. I have to make sure that I haven't left his call to deal with my situation. Because if that's the case, I can get every one of you to raise your hands and ask, is there a situation going on in your life that you need to pray about? If situations determine the priorities of your life, then the kingdom of God is clearly not going to be done. Why? Because the devil is busy. That's what my mama used to say. The devil is busy. No, sir. Your revelation dictates your priority. Now, let me go one step further in it. 
Jesus announced when his mom and brother wanted to see him. He says, who is my mother and my brother? Now, this is the other thing you don't have straight. I'm talking about much of the church. He says, who is they? And then he pointed to his disciples because to many Christians, the natural bloodline is way more important than the spiritual bloodline. And the only time that becomes an a priority is when your spiritual, natural bloodline takes it from the spiritual, and that's what the consummation is. But if they're just biologically, uh-uh. Jesus said, mm, no, mm-mm, no, it's these guys. Because why? My son and daughter are here right now. I couldn't turn several of my ministries over to the hands of my biological son and my biological daughter. Why? Not that they weren't Christian. They weren't developed enough. They weren't eating off my revelation level. So I would have done a discredit to the will of God and to those people if I would have let an underdeveloped son take over for me when I was doing what I said I do. I pray all night. I do shut-ins. I fast 40 days. I do that kind of thing. So look, if you don't Live like I live, you can't keep what I got. Because you saw that. My son saw the marriage and how I treated his mama. Saw that. Where did I get all that from? I never saw it in my family line. I never saw anybody treat their wife the way I treated my wife. Her daddy didn't do it. Her mama wasn't the devout woman that she was. So in my estimation, we are the progenitor, the foundation, patriarch and matriarchs of our whole family line. But here's the great challenge. My family line is outside of the biology. My family line, look, Hunt's going to be here tonight. Larry Jackson's going to be here. The rest of them don't even know about her condition. They're going to traverse land and sea to get to where their mama is because they're following me. But if they don't, I don't require that. Stay where you are and do the work of God. That won't, that won't get me mad at you. Do the work of God. I told my children this morning and my daughter, I said, look, I'm not looking forward to you taking my, your mama, if she lives, into your house and take care of her. You got a life you need to live. I, that's my wife. <laughs> I don't, I don't. You, oh, your dad won't help you. You can't, you can't help me. I'm living on a serious level, girl. You can't help me at this level. My son, you got five children over there. I know what's going on with you and your children. You won't have the time to put to your mama. You make your wife your priority, not your mama. You've already done that. I got it. And I have people from here available. Now, this is what they do say about you. This man cares for you. They already seeing it. 
The doctor that got my wife in the hospital is one of their cousins. It's, 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 <laughs> it's Dr. Melina's cousin, Prodome. It's a cousin. I got relatives. If it wasn't for the relatives, she wouldn't even begin the care she's getting right now. There's nobody else outside of my Metron looking out for me like that. I don't have more confidence in the others. Now, yes, there are a lot of people that say, I want to come and sit with her. He's not sitting with me. He says, I'm not going to let you take what you got to the grave. And he said it before I came here. We're going to make sure you're taken care of. His walk matches his talk. So you think I have more confidence? in where I've come from than where I am, I'm seeing the fruit of a God life. I want to say here, I don't, I don't care. And he said it to me last night when we were talking, I don't care what race you are. Because what race is love? What race is humility? What race is serving? What race is tender mercy? What race is loving kindness? What race is gentleness? You are a transcendent people that can't be categorized by a race. You're categorized by character and devotion to God. That's your character. That's why I'm trying to get people to come here and get some of it. Okay? Let me, let me stop. Look, I just got to refer you. The New World Order is what I'm talking about. The New World Order is living at a level that you're going to live in when time is no more. Living by faith, not by sight. Loving under trial. Walking in humility. Believing in people beyond what you see in the natural. Calling people to account. I would say the devil kept me from bringing him a book called Imprecations. Now, I'm just going to go on record as saying the New World Order... Pastor Jose, is Saul being the people's choice? 1 Samuel 12. God forbid that I would sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. See, that's, see, see this is serious business, but watch. The new world order is God didn't want Israel to have a king. They were, they were living by a theocracy. What is that? A God said that every step that they took was based on the voice of God for somebody who was in contact with God in a real way. From the time Moses led them out of the bondage and on, you know, from, look, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them had a direct contact with God in a real way. Listen, people. You can get anything from God you want if you consummate your relationship with God in a real way. If you stop faking it. Now, please listen to me now. I, I said I'm in the real place. But to some degree, every Christian is faking it. Nobody is living a complete, perfect life before God. Why? That means you've got a ceiling on your growth level. You know, if you're already living in perfect, you can't grow any more. But if you have it all, you got to show it all. You can't just say you have it all and you're only showing a little bit you're showing. I press, Paul, 
the apostle to the whole Gentile world. I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. What? What are you, man? You mean you were sent to the entire Gentile world and you're still pressing for more of God? Yeah. Why? Because he's almighty. He's all-knowing. I could know more. I can have more power. So I'm pressing for that. I want to be more like God. I want to have more of a heart for the work of God, heart for the people of God. I want to see the people of God. So at my age, like this dad right here, he wants to see him fulfill his destiny at a level he's never seen it before. Every real dad wants the son to exceed anything he's ever dreamed of. And then that becomes the dad's testimony. Oh, my God, have you met my son? That's the dad over here. He said, okay, in 33 years, look at him. He said, but when I did get saved at 50, I laid the hammer down <laughs> so that he would be godly. That's the only point. That's not so I can break, so that he would be godly. So, so look, so Saul becomes the king. God didn't want them to have a king. But he allowed it. So from that point on, listen, we went from God's vital will to his permissive will. So everything that happens with a king became redemptive. So watch. The guy failed God. It was, it was just a matter of, of a very short period of time where Saul failed God. And then God had to choose get Samuel to come over there and, and hold him accountable to violating premises that God had already established. And he made David king. David is called, Jesus is called David's greater son. So watch. Saul was taller than everyone by a foot and a half. He was, he was the people's choice. Watch. David was God's choice. Saul was a, was a person who did things according to the flesh. David was a person who did things according to the spirit. Saul violated you know, the order of the priesthood. David violated it, but because David changed the judgment seat, watch this, to a mercy seat. Through David, God built up the, the kingdom as being a kingdom of mercy. But here's an attorney. You can't extend mercy until a verdict is rendered. Once you pronounce guilty, then the mercy is I'm going to commute your sentence. I'm going to, Bishop Hunt, who's going to come here, was on the Board of Pardons and Parole. He was chairman of it. They could commute a death sentence. Well, that's what Jesus did. He commuted the death sentence, not based on what you and I could do, because all have sinned and come short of the glory. We couldn't satisfy the justice of God. So Jesus, as a perfect man, comes down and takes upon himself our guilt and dies because the, the penalty for sin is death. God can't change that. So he changed the death style of humans to a lifestyle in Christ. Did you get this? Do you get this? Zoe, I've come to give you what? 
life. Zoe, Zoe, that's the God life. See, now the devil couldn't keep you from getting saved. What he tries to do is to have you living below the standard, not let you know that you are a living manifestation of what God wants to exist in the earth. So then your will and God's will, the Bible says we're laboring together with God. God quickens you by the Spirit, which every one of you need quickening. Now this is actually the power of, the, of that third baptism. By one Spirit are you, First John 1, by one Spirit are you all baptized into Christ? And then you get water baptized, repent and be baptized, and then the third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the quickening. That's what happens to people. You're saved from hell, but you don't live on a power level. That's the Holy Spirit. He comes down and immerses you spiritually. It's like you were immersed in water, baptism. You go down in water, that's bloodless martyrdom. You come up out of the water saying, I only will live for God. That's, That's the basis of Christianity. Then you plead with God. You said, I'm saved from hell, but I need the power. The, the, the will, you know, he, says, he says, what I would do, I do not. That's Romans 7. The evil that I would do, uh, the good that I would do, I do not. The evil that I would not do, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's he looking for? He's looking for a quickening. We go from glory to what? Glory. After you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you still to live this life at a high level. You need an ongoing intimacy with God that's quickened by the Holy Spirit. Now, I wrote another book called The Holy Ghost is My Friend. It's all about, it's everywhere the Holy Ghost is mentioned in the whole Bible. And then what I did is I, asked, I answered four questions in it. But the bottom line to all those questions was he's the one that was sent to reveal Christ in you. He's the great resource person of the entire creation. Jesus said he'd take of mine and show it to you. For you not to be, and me not to be close to the Holy Ghost is the missing element of salvation. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, where you speak in tongues and where those things, that's, you got to thirst for that. You hunger for salvation. You thirst, hunger, and thirst for the Holy Ghost. Thirst is a different level of desire than hunger. You can go without eating food for 40 days. But I wouldn't advise you to go without water for no more than three. The Holy Ghost tries inside of you to see if you're thirsty for the realities of God. And when he witnesses that you want more, he comes and quickens you and you come alive at a level. Every revival that you and I know about historically, the Holy Spirit was the progenitor of that revival. What does he do? He revives you first. See, That's why I'm saying, I don't know if this is the place where the real revival, but I can tell you this, the conditions are being laid because of the standard of the word and acceptance of it where the Holy Ghost can quicken, not only make you alive, but abide. Every revival eventually lost its power. Because they thought about it wrong. They thought about revival as being meetings, not where you meet God at a new way. And from the meetings of what happened by the Spirit, you begin to walk different. 
so that the revival in the meeting becomes the life you're living. And in every one of those revivals, they failed God in understanding that one point. They didn't live it out in a way that would make a difference their whole lifetime. I know men whose gifting made a difference, not their character made a difference. So we're driven now by what happens in the big meeting. Now, another thing he says, I'm just going to say it. He's not driven by any big meetings. I mentioned to him about one of the people I know as coming here because, you know, he's, being, he's drawing people. He says, I'm not trying to do no big meeting. <laughs> I had to laugh. I mean, he's so funny. He says, well, then another person said, well, we can help you financially, do some stuff. He says, money is not the issue. Right away. He's the only person I know that's like that other than me. And the other thing that I'm trying to get to is Jesus' ministry as king. That's the administration of authority. See, you, I don't hardly know of one preacher who will tell you that this thing is happening to you because of a judgment of God on you. But if you read the Bible, that's all in the Bible. I've, I've taught you this before. I said that judgment to nations happens three manifestations you'll see. I said he makes your enemies stronger than you, inclement weather conditions, number two, and you destroy yourself from the lack of character from within, number three. All three of those things are happening to America. But hardly anybody is saying this is a judgment from God. They're all trying to fix what God is doing. And, and they would rather for him not to say, well, God is judging us. Well, don't, don't say that. Well, why, well why, what about California, what they're doing? What about New York? What about, I can tell you all kinds of states, misappropriations of America that we've done before God. But if you don't go for God to fix it, if you think that the natural circumstances changes, fixes it, you're in the wrong arena where you're fighting. You got to go before God and say, God, where have I missed it with you? And then you go before God and say, Lord, how have I missed it with my family? Then, because it starts individual, then it goes to the family. And now the family members grow up and then they're out in the culture. They're leading something or they're following something. But your children are supposed to inhabit the earth. You raise them to take over something. Why should you submit to people that don't know God just because of intelligence? Well, all those people in the government, they're intelligent people. These are not stupid people that's in running the government. These are the governors. I asked the question, well, the mayor of New York, have they done anything with him? No, he said, they said, no, they're not going to. I had a guy tell me on the golf course, he said, no, he didn't do anything wrong. You understand? I mean, you got that out there like that. You got it out there. These people were from New York, living down here now. So you got them here. <laughs> if you don't set a standard, who's he going to use? He'll wait for you to die. And he'll raise up somebody else. Don't get me wrong. He's always reserved him a remnant according to the measure of grace. So the next service, I'm going to go talking about the remnant. I hope you get what we're talking about. As the people of God, you, there's something inside of you that represent what God wants to do and that nobody can take your place. He didn't make two of you. He only made one of you. 
If you die before the will of God is done, there'll be a hole in the earth of a missing assignment. And he has to bring in somebody else to take over what you refuse to do. I believe you are the people of God. You are the ignored people. So they, the Americans still marginalize. Look, every day that they talk about the border situation down there in Texas and Mexico and California, all these places, is the marginalization of Latinos. I'm not talking about whether you come in the right way or the wrong way. I'm talking about the assessment of Latino people by Americans is not on the resource side. They're not saying, if you don't let these people in here, we're not going to be able to fulfill the destiny of God. They're not saying that. Nor are the Christian world saying it. They're not saying that God is sending people here and look, not many wise are called, not many noble are called. But God has called the base things of the world to confound the wise, yea, the things which are not, the thing to not to bring to naught the things which are. Who are more nothing than those people trying to get over here? Americans think they want to get over here for the American dream and the free market system. <laughs> well, look at the people with the dream and the free market. In every city, name them, the big cities. New York, L.A., Chicago, St. Louis, New Orleans, Miami. Look at it. These are smart people leading, but is it God's standard being seen? So what's he doing? He's quietly raising up a new people for a new standard that's supposed to happen now in the midst of trouble. I say you're ready. I'm going to say a prayer for you. I don't believe I'm lying. I believe you're it. I believe that your sons and daughter, your sister, your daddy, your father, and I, I got to give your dad credit because you definitely do tell the truth about him. And if he wasn't strong in the Lord, he would be like, have psychobabble about you talking about what he wasn't. But he's a good man. He's a, he's, a, he's a good man. You're, you're, I got to say it. I, I don't care who listens. Your family. I, I like all of them. And they're following you. I, I'll say this. Your brother, medical doctor, I've been on the golf course with him. We finished playing golf. He grabs your bag of golf clubs and takes your bag to the car. This is your little brother. I'm just back in the back. He fixed the Cuban coffee and bring you a, you a cup of Cuban coffee. This is the spirit. In other words, he's saying, he's not saying I'm equal with you. I'm, no, no, no. He's, he's walking out the reality of the kingdom of God when nobody's looking. I'm telling on him right now because he couldn't say this himself. To me, that validates a Christianity that in the dark, this thing is still light. Those of you listening to me by way of internet, if you could get a hold of this, get it going in your family and in your church, I would say your city is ready. Asking you guys that know me to awaken. I hear you asking, I didn't know where Bishop Boone was. 
Oh, I'm glad. Okay. Then no, uh-uh, that ain't important. What's important is what am I teaching you? Have I changed it? Father, I pray for every person now under the sound of my voice. Here it is. I talk to them like you would want me to tell them the truth. I wasn't just talking about the letter of Scripture. I talked about the life we're living right now. I got to live this life out right now in a circumstance I've never been in. But, Lord, you said when you return, will you find faith in the earth? You said it gives you no greater joy than to see your children walk in faith. God forbid that I would be faithless, but that we all would be faithful. The devil is a liar concerning my wife, but you already know that. So you allowed God, my wife, me, everybody to go through the circumstance, but you're looking at how we're handling this business. We trust you, Father, as I am on assignment here. Thank you for these under the sound of my voice. I pray they get it. And the women, as I give this book, the women are kingmakers away. I I order them to give them away. I can't beat you giving. They used to sing that song. You can't beat God giving. I declare this church is a giving church, and I'm involved in this, and I'm suitable for this. I like this. Bless these people now. Where they need the gift of repentance, where they recognize, Lord, there's some things you've located in them in terms of their walk. Give them the gift of repentance. They don't have to stand up before me and come to the altar, but they do have to come to the altar before you. And where they've been located, please give them the gift of repentance. And then, Lord, thank you for the blood cleansing. And in Jesus' name, bless them. All the people said, amen. God bless you, people. Let's ask the worship team to come up forward, please. Let's just uh, do something we haven't done in a while. And this makes everybody nervous. Uh, Pastor Richie, get on the piano. And and let's let's sing the chorus that we used to, hallelujah. And stand on your feet this morning. And make time for the word of God to settle into your hearts. And feel free to raise your hands to the heavens. This is the day that we worship the Lord. This is the day that we celebrate. Everything God has for you is going to be poured out here in the coming days. There is a vast battle. Um, don't take it little. When the man of God comes to the house of God to give us the word of God. And it goes out to the nations. And he's telling people that we are to be followed as examples don't don't discount the fact that the devil is not happy about that and he wants you to be shaken and moved first um, peter 2 11 says that the warfare that we suffer is is the soul i beg you as strangers and pilgrims that you stay away from that which the flesh the flesh is enticed we're all being pulled in the natural with with the natural things and God is calling us to the supernatural 
and to be attentive to something above what is natural. And not a lot of people live like that. Uh, very few people are, are going above the natural. And what he's, he's talked about, his challenges this morning and, and being able, and I, I've seen it happen, uh, even in the last month, uh, relatives of ours have decided to opt out for the natural being more real than the supernatural. So, but I don't see it as a personal conflict. I see it as a, a battle in the soul. Do I commit to the natural things? Do I commit to the, to what my flesh feels good and, and is, or, or do I jump on to deny my, not my will, thy be done. Do, do I, I cut to that scenario. Um, let's put that verse back up there again. Remember that this is, that this is, this is what you're facing on a daily basis. That we abstain from these things that war against the soul. So they're pulling you down and away from God to accommodate and to have peace in the natural, peace in the familiar and family, but we're called to, to raise up to another level. So as we sing this chorus, hallelujah, uh, we used to sing this after every service growing up for 20 years. And it was a time to soak in the presence of God. I don't want you to leave this place without allowing that to take place. So that the word of God and the counsel of God and the spirit that's being imparted uh, would settle these truths into your heart so that you can break loose of what's holding you away from the call of God on your life. Um, August 8th is Sunday. And the bishop has asked for eight hours. We're going to give him eight hours on August 8th. Absolutely. So it's a Sunday. And, and we'll start uh, freshly right after lunch. Uh, and and we'll, go, we'll go eight hours. August 8th will be the eighth month of the year, eighth day of the month, eight hours. And, and we're just going to sit here and receive and see if you deliver. All right? Because we're not, we're not into the talk. We're into the walk. Uh, see him download and you make arrangements two months away, which is supernatural in this church for us to tell you something before it happens. You have a two month warning. You usually have two, two minute warning. Um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, lift your hands to the heavens.
Father, we thank you today for your mercy and grace calling us out of this world, out of darkness into your wonderful light to proclaim your goodness. Father, deliver us from every soul tie that which holds us away from the call of God in the spirit. And we pray, Father God, that you break the yoke through the anointing. You break the yoke, Father God, of the natural things that we might receive, that which is easy and your burden which is light, that we might be about your business, that we might be about your priorities, that you would have our pressing influence, oh God, through your spirit greater than any other spirit. We rebuke the spirit of fear, oh God. You said where there is perfect love, Lord, that cast out fear. So Father, break the yoke, Father God. Break the natural things. Bring us into the supernatural. Allow us to not be hearers of the word, but doers. Allow us, Father God, to see your manifested reality. We are your people. In the last days, we are the salt. We are the light. We are those that are pursuing the kingdom of God. Nothing lost. Everything added. Father, we pray for Catherine Boone right now, Father God. We as your church stand in intercession, O oh God. Between life and death, O oh God, asking that you deliver her, Father God. That you break all the assignments of hell, Father God, of Satan. The missiles of darkness, Father God. Extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy, O oh God. And allow her to be healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name by your power, by your stripes, O oh God. From the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, O oh God. Coming into divine intervention healing in jesus name father god this this is our inheritance oh god these are things purchased at the cross that you might fill this place with your glory and not put any fetters hindrance that bishop boone might father god continue to pursue your presence and your priorities and your power father god thank you for his life thank you for his ministry Father, expand his influence, his territorial metron upon the earth, Lord, to bless this nation and bless this city, bless the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. At 12 noon, we'll have our Spanish service. Obviously, today it will be bilingual. Uh, they will be translated. Um, Tonight, Pastor Richie and Angie have their evening service uh, here at Spring of Life at 6 p.m. Make sure that you make it available. Support Pastor Richie and Angie and that service, the, the newest evening service in Miami. God bless you. Amen. Yes, men's meeting tomorrow night. Men's ministry, Monday night, 8 o'clock. We'll see you here.